Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this special episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today we are wrapping up our June Dairy Month series with a episode that has previously aired on the Rural Woman Podcast, but I didn't want to leave one of my favorite dairy farmers out. Tara Vanderdusen, also known as the New Mexico Milkmaid, is a fifth generation dairy farmer, environmental scientist, president of the United Dairy Women's Association, wife to Milkman Dan, and mama to two little New Mexico milkmaids. Tara is one incredible lady, and I am so honored to be able to call her friend. I truly hope that you have enjoyed listening to these incredible women over the last two weeks for June Dairy Month. I know I've personally taken away a lot from these strong, resilient women and have learned a lot more about the dairy industry that I personally didn't know. If you're interested in hearing from another group of women in agriculture specific to an area, whether it's ranching, farming, homesteading, I'm always looking for suggestions for new people to interview. So head on over to wildrosefarmer.com where you can fill out the Be a Guest on the Rural Woman podcast form whether for yourself personally or if you would like to nominate somebody to be on the podcast. I'm always open to suggestions. Thank you all again for tuning into these bonus episodes, and I hope you enjoy hearing from my friend Tara Vanderdusen. Hey, Tara, thanks for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. I'm so happy you're able to join me on the podcast today. I'm so excited that you asked me to come on. I'm really excited. I love that you are doing this and interviewing women and just like getting to know the rural woman. Thank you. It's been an interesting journey getting here, but I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. So for those who are listening who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a dairy farmer in New Mexico, and I blog and share about our life on our dairy farm, um, mainly on Instagram as the New Mexico Milkmaid, and I have a blog, thenewmexicomilkmaid.com, and it really is just like sharing our life. You know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about farming and agriculture and dairy, and so my goal is just to give a little glimpse into what our everyday life looks like on the dairy. That's great. Like you said, there's so many misconceptions in agriculture, and I feel specifically in the dairy world. Can you touch on those a little bit? Like, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about dairies? Yeah, so I think the two main misconceptions I get the most is, you know, um, cow care. People have a lot of questions about how we care for our animals, animal welfare. Um, It's just like a really hot topic right now. And You know, I think what's amazing is that we are taking better care of our cows now than we ever have. Um, We have a vet that comes on site once a week to check our herd. We have a nutritionist that plans their diets. Uh, You know, it it takes a lot of people all working together to um, take the best care of our cows. And so I think that's really incredible. And then the other big misconception is definitely our uh, environmental impact. 
And I think that goes like it, that's not just specific to dairy. I think that's kind of all of animal agriculture um, is kind of going through that, that people are wondering how much, um, you know, greenhouse gas we admit. And uh, again, there, there's a really positive story here that dairy farms, I think, use about 2% of all greenhouse gases. And we um, have reduced our land use, our water use, um, and reduced our carbon footprint. Our carbon footprint has decreased in the last like 75 years by like 66%, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. That's huge, especially when yeah. it comes to the misconceptions that people are having and what people are saying. It just doesn't make sense where, where this information is coming from. Yeah. And I think you have to be really careful with, you know, anything you see online, you know, look, look who paid for the research, look who's publishing the research, you know, what are their beliefs? Because a lot of it is, you know, no matter what you see online, it, people have an agenda and people are pushing something. And so they're going to make the story look the way they want. And so I feel like the best way to combat that is really to be just really real and authentic and just show our dairy, like make your own decision from just seeing what our dairy is like and what we're doing and, and how we're treating our cows and our, you know, management practices. And so for me, that's, that's the way I go about like combating those negative um, stories is just being honest. For sure. And I think the biggest piece of advice I have for people outside of the agricultural industry is to just do your research, know your farmer, know where this information is coming from. You don't know if it's just something somebody reposted on the internet with no background information. So it's always important to do your own research. Yeah. And I think there's a huge movement for that right now with social media of, you know, reaching out to the farmer and asking the farmer directly. Like, I think there's a hashtag that's like, ask farmers, not Google. And I love that one because <laughs> It's really true. Like just ask the people that are the experts in it and that are doing this every day and that really care about this. You know, um, you know, when you hear things about, um, you know, our environmental stewardship, it's like, I obviously want to take care of our land. I own this land. I own, you know, I use the water. I drink the same water as my cows. I want to pass it on to the next generation. So I'm going to care probably more passionately about it than anyone else because I live on it and I'm doing this every day. And so, yeah, it's like get out there and get to know the farmer and you'll see like I think their their passion for what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh you mentioned the next generation of of dairy farmers. Can we talk about your next generation of dairy farmers a little bit? <laughs> yeah, so I have two little girls. I have an almost 5-year-old and a just turned 2-year-old and the oldest one from like day 1 has been like loves animals like every animal. It's crazy to see how different they are, like right away, you know, their personalities. But my oldest, I mean, her ideal day would just be to spend all day on the dairy with her dad, like go to the barn, go to the office. I mean, when she wakes up in the morning, my a window in my office overlooks the dairy and she goes and checks and she'll come and tell us like who she saw coming to work this morning. She saw a milk truck. And I swear she knows the schedule of the dairy better than like I do. Um, she's like on it. So it's really fun to see how involved they are in the dairy and just like life in general on our farm. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like at the dairy or anything outside of the dairy that you do? Yeah. So my day-to-day, -day, I always get this question. I don't know how to answer because it kind of varies a lot, which I think is pretty typical of farmers. But I 
a lot of what I do is not actually on the farm. It's, you know, a lot of times behind a computer. So I work as an environmental consultant or environmental scientist for dairy farms and farms throughout New Mexico. And so my dairy is actually my client and I assist dairy producers and farmers with um, their permits and their regulatory agencies. So I'll kind of be the liaison between the producer and the state regulators. And so I you know, my job can be anything from sampling their wells and sampling their soil to sitting in my office and analyzing the data and putting together the reports. And so it kind of, it just kind of varies from day to day and from season to season of what's going on. But in general, it's really, um, you know, I do a lot of manure management. Cow manure is uh, my specialty. So that's where, that's where I spend most of my time. (laughs) That sounds like a really fun job in cow manure. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I really love it. I would say it's probably not for everyone, but I, I really enjoy it. And I think it's cool to see kind of how that cow manure comes full circle. You know, that we use that manure and we store all of our water that we use in the barn, all our recycled water, and use it to um, for fertilizer on the crops and to water the crops. And so I think it's a really cool aspect, even though it may be um, other people's least favorite part of the job. Right. Well, we use the manure for fertilizer for sure as an organic farm, and we actually have quite a bit of it around our area. <laughs> so I know once I became a farmer's wife, my girlfriends would never want to come out and sit on the patio with me because of the smell outside of our house. But that's another <laughs> story. I got, I did a, a Q&A on my Instagram um, and someone said, how do you stand the smell? And I was like, I don't really smell it anymore. That's probably terrible. But I just, you know, you get used to it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we we're talking about smells, I guess. And we were talking about misconceptions about agriculture earlier. Let's talk about cow farts and how they've been big in the news and what your opinion on the cow farting is. Yeah, this has been such a crazy topic. It's been really interesting to follow. Kind of like what we said already, like I think that a lot of ag industries are already lowering their carbon footprint a lot more than what people realize. Like it's already been in the forefront of our mind Um, for dairy we actually have the U.S. Dairy Sustainability uh, Council, and I sit on the board of that, and our reduced greenhouse gas emissions by another 25% by 2020, and we're on track to reach that goal. And so it's it's funny to me that it's becoming such a topic, and it's like, you're kind of behind. Like, we, we already are, like, changing our practices and, you know, making ourselves more efficient to reduce greenhouse gases. And so I think that our efforts and our attention could be better spent elsewhere. Like I think there's other sectors that contribute a much larger portion to greenhouse gas emissions. Not that we can't all make improvements, but like I said, we are making improvements in the ag sector. And so it's kind of like, we have to have food to eat. Let's let's look at some of the other sectors where maybe we're doing like things that are optional or that we could live without. Or, you know, I think about how much single use plastic we use and like, Let's change some of those practices before we start like attacking our food system, especially when we have such an amazing food system, such a safe food system, tons of choices, whether you want organic or conventional, you know, everything. There's so many choices out there. It's safe. And it's like, let's see if there's maybe some bigger fish to fry in the topic of greenhouse gases 
than where our food comes from. If that kind of, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think as consumers, not even just people in agriculture or producers, as a consumer, we have the option of supporting these practices. Like you said, the single use plastic thing, don't use it. You know, you have the option as a consumer to choose who you want to support, what you want to support, if it's conventional, organic, you know, you have the option now. I agree. And I, I don't think people always realize the impact of their um, voice with being a consumer, you know, that when you buy something, it, 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 it changes the market and it influences the market. And so, you know, I think use that like power with, you know, be careful with that power too. like, understand where your food comes from, make decisions that are based on sound science, don't fall into marketing and scare tactics. And, you know, so I think that consumers do have a really big, they have a lot of decisions and their decisions matter. And it's, and I hope they keep that in mind when they're making decisions. It's like, don't just listen to the most recent fad or whatever. Talk, as we talked about earlier, talk to the farmer, find out what you care about and what matters to you, and then make your buying decisions based on that. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Hey, all we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenai Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017. And I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now back to our episode. All right, let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. Did you grow up in the egg industry? I did. I grew up, I've lived my entire life on a dairy farm in New Mexico. Um, I started out in Southern New Mexico and we moved to Eastern New Mexico. Um, and then I'm a fifth generation dairy farmer and so is my husband. So it goes way back in both of our family histories, um, dairy farming and, and just agricultural. That's amazing. A fifth generation. That's huge. Yeah, it's a long ways. Um, we are new to the United States. My dad's a first generation in the United States both of my grandparents and both of my husband's grandparents immigrated from the Netherlands to the United States. And, um, for me, one of my family members still has a dairy farm that, that is operational in um, the Netherlands, which I think is really cool. I've gotten to visit it once. Very cool. So you've seen the changes that have been going through the dairy industry for many years now. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? I think the biggest changes that I've seen in the dairy is how consumers are like changing what farmers are focused on, um, which is kind of like a complicated, but it's just, I think that, as I said, you know, consumers make decisions and it changes the market and that goes down to the farmers that it changes how 
they do things. And so, you know, I just hope that in the future, we're still basing our decisions off of like what's absolutely best for the cow and not what the consumer thinks is best for the cow. Um, and so I think that that that's a big change. So there's a lot more input from other people outside of our farm on what's happening on our farm, you know? Um, and so just, I think it's important for us to work really closely with our vet to meet the demands of the consumer while still protecting animal welfare and protecting like our farm. That's so strange to think about like your great grandfather ever caring about what the consumer thought of the milk that was delivered to their house. Right. Right. Besides being like ice cold and safe and like healthy. Now there's just so many more like philosophical things. Like did the cow, you know, have a comfortable environment? And those are obviously important things. I think we've come a really long way and made some great improvements um, in, you know, how we care for our cows and how our cows, but yeah, like, you know, nobody knows their animals better than the farmer. And so I think like keeping that in mind is really important. Absolutely. And I think the cows actually have more tender love and care than the farmer actually does. Right. <laughs> yes. That's always like a running joke. I feel like is you know, the cows get fed first, the cows get taken care of first. Like, you know, the farmer tends to take care of him or herself, like second to the farm. Um, and so probably not always for the best, but it definitely means the cows get the utmost care and not the farmer. For sure. All right. I am going to move directions a little bit um, away from dairy, but still an okay. egg. Have you ever faced any challenges as a woman in the agricultural world? I think I have. I don't know that it's been to the degree I know other people have experienced, but I still sit at most of my meetings or board meetings and I will be the only woman in the room. Um, it's been changing in the last couple of years. I, you know, I use, I attend all the dairy meetings with my husband for our co-op and everything. And there is never been more than a handful of women in the room um, at those even. And those are huge meetings, but it has been slowly changing. And I think that women are getting more on board. Um, so I don't know that I've really faced a huge challenge, but just in general, the atmosphere, I have this one person I send emails with and all the people on the email are men except for me. And every time he addresses the email, gentlemen and and like I know it's so stupid but it just bothers me like can you not just say like hey everyone like something like, just to call out that like I don't know it's just a weird I guess like atmosphere sometimes when you're in just a male-dominated industry the things that get said to you and the way people react to you <clears throat> can be just weird it's like they don't know how you fit and it's like I fit because I'm a farmer and I get like I am the same as everyone else in this room. And so I think just like changing people's attitude has probably been my biggest challenge. Yeah, it, it can be awkward. And I know I haven't personally been on any boards or ever really felt like I've needed to feel any different. And I don't know if that's because I farm right alongside my husband. But you know, I've been called just the farm wife and all of that kind of stuff before. And you know, sometimes it can be insulting, but other times it's like, yeah, farm wives are basically the farmers too. They're doing yeah. everything that their husbands are doing, probably a little bit more sometimes too. So I think it's just 
an industry whole kind of thing like it's just evolving yes. and it's just changing and it's not just the men like there are women that I think are still behind too like I'll get asked why do you want to attend the meetings like why do you do that and so you know I, yeah it's, a, it's an industry as a whole and it, it's not just the men it's not just the women and I think my husband was a he grew up in a family of all boys and so I think he was a little blind to it and now when something happens I've kind of started calling it out to him. Like, did you see that? And it's probably super annoying, but I I want him to see. And he has like now is like, yeah, like, why did they do that? That's so weird or, you know, whatever. And I think if you're not consciously aware of it, it's very easy to like look the other way, not see it. And like, I think we need to be more aware of it so that we can like draw attention to it and like change the climate. I think so too. And I think one of the most important things is for women like us to just continue to support other women in agriculture and be the voice for them, for the ones that don't have their voice out there like we do. And just say, yeah, there's women in agriculture, women farm too, women run dairies, they're ranchers, they're all of the things, everything that a man can do. Agreed, 100%. And I think that one thing with International Women's Day just being like a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago is um, it's not that we're trying to put the men in our lives down. My husband and my dad are some of the most supportive people of me ever. It's just about highlighting that we can be great on our own and that women are doing all, you know, incredible things too. And so I think there's a little bit of like, I don't know, misconception there that like, just because you're supporting women doesn't mean you're like bashing men, if that makes sense. Like, we're trying to just get our voices heard the same as our counterparts, our male counterparts. Yeah, for sure. Just to make sure that everybody knows that it's an equal playing field and that we're all equals in this industry. Absolutely. And especially for the upcoming generation of the New Mexico milkmaids too, right? Right. We got to make sure it's, you know, equal playing field for them. Yeah, I definitely. That's always in the back of my mind is how will things be different for them? And I mean, I hope they are. I hope things are better and that they have a more equal playing field. Well, I think with a mama like you, that'll be easy for them. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I want to talk to you a little bit about your volunteer work. I know that you are the president of the United Dairy Women. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this is a project that's really, and a charity that's really near and dear to my heart. I've been president now for, I think, about the last seven years. And we have raised over $1.2 million at this point in the last 14 years. And what we do is we provide um, our local area children's homes. They're homes that are uh, religious-based, so they don't receive any funding from the state or from the federal government. And they take in, you know, children that just have no place else to go, um, pregnant teens that maybe have no place to turn to and just provide like a loving home for them. And one of the things that that the women that started this organization 14 years ago found out was they didn't have the funds to provide their kids with milk on their cereal in the morning. And it just was crazy to our founders that we were had a or one of the largest um dairy producing counties in the United States. And like we had children going to school without milk on their cereal. And so they made it their milk mission. And that's still the milk mission we have today is to provide all of those children with the recommended three servings of dairy a day for the entire year. And we've met that goal 
single year since our inception. Um, and we're about to add a third. We do two children's homes right now, and there's a third one opening in our town, and we're going to include that one this year as well. It's such an incredible organization. I'm so glad I ended up being a part of it. I It is, it is one of my big passions. It's something I never want to give up, no matter how crazy life gets sometimes. Like, I just like strongly believe in helping those kids in our community. And these homes are doing such incredible things. Like if we can just have a small contribution to that, like that makes an impact on our community, I think. Oh, for sure. It just like ensuring that children have the basic needs met day to day is probably one of the most rewarding things. Yeah. And I think if you can send your kid to school with a glass of milk, you know, that's not the worst breakfast ever. You're getting nine essential nutrients and vitamins, tons of protein, you know, great fat source for young kids with developing brains. And so it's also great. I love that our product is such a healthy product and wholesome product that I can feel so good about these kids, like having that before they go to school or having cheese on their sandwich or, you know, whatever it may be, um, that they're, they're getting that nutrition they need to yeah live their everyday life to their fullest. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Congratulations <laughs> on all of your work with that organization. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. We have the most incredible team. They, everyone, it's 100% volunteer hours and everyone works just like tirelessly to put on our big events and to raise awareness. So I, I could not do without the girls and women that helped me along the way. That's great. So I know you've done some work with uh, Undeniably Dairy as well. Can you talk about that too? Yeah, so I've teamed up with uh, Undeniably Dairy. It's like a campaign that's been running since I think 2017, 2016. It's been a couple years now. And it's basically just to like share with people, like get them to get to know milk again, get to know their farmers, Um, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, just actually talking with farmers. And so I've had some really great opportunities. Um, This past fall, I went to New York City and we had a food truck that served chocolate milk and grilled cheese. And we served, I think, a chocolate milk and grilled cheese every 11 seconds for like the entire two days of the food festivals. And it was so amazing. There was a handful of us dairy farmers there. And our job was just to go and say, hey, I'm a dairy farmer. Do you have questions for me? And we had some really powerful conversations. I was went in expecting it to be more negative, And it wasn't, which reminds me that sometimes the loudest voice is not actually the popular like opinion. Um, a lot of people were extremely positive and just excited to meet someone. Everyone shared stories about like family, like family recipes that had milk or cheese and like has been handed down from generation or everything was just about like family meal time, which I thought was really cool. Like people sharing how they have cereal with their kids in the morning and that that's their like morning routine or milk in their coffee. And it just was really cool to hear how dairy like impacts people's lives and influences their lives every single day in such a positive way. It's just a family experience, I think, food in general, but to have those memories with your parents of sitting there eating your bowl of cereal as a kid are memories that you'll keep forever. Exactly. That's exactly what I, what a lot of the conversations were about. So while we went in there expecting more heated conversations. Um, it was it was really nice to just hear, you know, everybody's day to day lives. That's great. So let's talk about New Mexico milk made a little bit more. Uh, you have okay. 
you have some apparel that just came out and I actually got my hat in the mail yesterday and I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> I'm wearing my hat too. Yes, I just started this apparel thing. Um, and as you know, it is easier said than done and it has been a learning experience. Yes. <laughs> it's taken up much more of my time than I initially anticipated, but I love it. And I have a new shirt out that is all about supporting farm women um, it's who feeds the world, farm girls. And it just, I love it in that not only, you know, are you a farmer, but a lot of the women farmers are the ones feeding their families, feeding their farmer, feeding their ranch hands. And so to me, it just like really spoke to everyone. And so I love the t-shirt. People should definitely head to my website and grab some. I have a few New Mexico milk made stuff left and, and then I'm ordering or doing a pre-order right now for the who feeds the world one. They're an awesome t-shirt, for sure. Thank you. Tara and I were just talking about, before I hit record, about actually feeding the world and feeding our farmers. And Justin, about 10 <laughs> minutes before I was about to interview Tara, asked for when his lunch was going to be, and it wasn't happening. So <laughs> the longer we can make this go on, the more time I hope he makes himself lunch. So <laughs> <laughs> They always come in starving at lunch. Yeah, for sure. All right, Tara, uh, if there is one thing that you can leave the listeners with about the dairy industry or you personally, what do you want to tell them? Find a dairy farmer, whether it be on social media or in your area, get to know them, see where your milk comes from. And I think, yeah, I mean, there's every gallon of milk comes usually within 100 miles of where it was produced on the farm. It's, that's where it's sold. And so in 100 miles, there's your dairy farmer. Like, that's really close. And so find a farmer near you, learn about them, and learn about their cows. And where can our listeners find you and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at New Mexico Milkmaid and then at my website, NewMexicoMilkmaid.com. And then I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I, I definitely favor the Instagram. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today to have a chat with me. And I look forward to continue to connecting with you on Instagram. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciated this. Hey, guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say thank you so much to this week's sponsor, Shop Wild Rose Farmer. You may be thinking, what? Shop Wild Rose Farmer is your shop. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Proceeds from Shop Wild Rose Farmer go directly to supporting this podcast and making it possible. Consider purchasing an I Am Your Farmer t-shirt or even an I Am Your Rancher t-shirt. Check out the popular Wild Rose Farmer tank tops as well as sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Members of the Wild Rose Farmer community receive a 20% off promo code for their first purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for more information. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Rural Woman Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.